You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. One more time, uh, and uh, we'll read 1 John chapter 5, verses 19 through 21 to cl- close off this amazing uh, letter to the church. It says this, We know that we are from God, And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of God. Amen, amen. Grab a seat, grab a seat. Uh, I've, I've shared this with you before, but uh, man, like when, when you close out a book, there are so many th- emotions that go through me. When I close, like the, I've been in, we've been in this book, I'm not sure if you remember, but January 8th was chapter one, verses one through four. January 8th, so we've been in this, this book, this small little book, five chapters uh, for five months, and, and it's been a joy of mine. And when you're in this book for that long, it's like you mourn a little bit when you leave it. And uh, I want to keep going back to it as I encourage you to keep going back to it in your devotion time and, and, and even just listen back and to see uh, what this book is saying over and over to us. And it, it's such a sweet book. And it's a letter, like I said, like in my prayer, it's a letter from John to the church. And, and I've said this before, but I used to write letters to Jody. This is before internet, right? Like there was telephones, but you had to put quarters in or you had to have this phone card, long distance phone card. And, and so Jody and I, when we were two provinces away, we would write letters to one another. And man, sweet things in these letters. Poetry. Like I'm a poet and you didn't even know it. All right, so there's poetry, there's this, like I wanted Jody, when you write a letter to someone, you want them to know some stuff, right? Like you want them to hear things and believe things and understand things. And I wanted Jody to know that she was the most beautiful woman on the earth. And she still is. To me, when I look at her, she's the most beautiful thing in the world. And, and that I loved her and that, that I care for her. I want to be with her daily. And to be apart from her was torture. And it was sweet to get those letters back in return. This is a letter like no different. John is passionate about the church. He's passionate. He, and he wants, like I wanted Jody to hear certain things. He wants the church to hear certain things. To make sure that we don't miss it. And especially in his close here, in these last few verses, he does not want us to miss a thing. He wants us to hear specific things. And he, and he says this one little word six times going back to verse 13. Six times from 13 to 21, it's this little word called yudha. And it's, and it's used, and it and it's actually means to be sure of. To be sure of. And in English, it's actually known as know. We know these things. And that's kind of what we're going to walk through in this little text in, in these 19 through 21, these short amount of verses. I've outlined it this way. You can see it on the screen. We know, you the, we know we are from God, that the world lies in the power of Satan. We know that Jesus has come with purpose 
and we know our task. John is reminding us of the things he's taught us already. Let's pray and then we'll jump in again. So Jesus, we come before you one more time and throughout and continually pray throughout this time that we might be softened to the good news of you, Jesus, that we might know, that we might be sure of, that, that we might you the, the things that you have taught through John to us today, thousands of years later, still affect change. And so Holy Spirit, affect change in our hearts today. Open our hearts and our minds. Renew us, Jesus, day by day. Help us understand these things that you have clearly written for us to know. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, look at, like, I'm not a rocket science, but any means, is there any rocket sciences here? Maybe there is. I don't know. I am not one of them. Uh, And so you might realize that when you begin to read through 19 through 21, all I'm doing, my points, are just the words of Scripture. It's really simple, right, to, to write out an outline when, this, when, when the outline is actually just the scripture words. Take a look at verse 1 again, or verse 19. The point is we are from God. We know that we are from God. Thanks, Jer. That was genius. All right, so number one point, we, are, we know that we are from God. And it's threefold. Just, just in these last two weeks, like going back to first verse 13, we, we've seen this threefold explanation from John to him. So if you put your heads back into verse 13, you see these three points. I think I'm on the screen there. Just to summarize the last three weeks of messages, it's because God hears our prayers when we, when we pray his will. We know we are from God because he hears our prayers when we pray in his will. Secondly, because our sin is forgiven And thirdly, because our desires are changing. And now here in verse 19, we know something else. We, we, you the, or we are sure of these things that are coming. And we know here 19a, because there is a difference between us and the world. There's a difference between us and the world. We are no longer seeking the things of the world, but rather seeking the things of Jesus. And this might have been a heart change for you when you're younger. As we pray for the little kids every Sunday morning, we want their heart to be changed at an early age that they might experience Jesus very early on. Like it's only God's grace that he changes and transforms our heart to believe and trust upon him. And you can be assured of these things based on different allegiances. Right? We, ha- we might have allegiances now. We know we are from God when we have an allegiance to him, when we surrender our lives to him, when we say, Jesus, I want to I align with you. I want, I want my life to be your life. I'm handing it over because I trust you. I believe upon you for my salvation. And we, we aren't aligning ourselves. We don't want to align ourselves with the enemy, with Satan. See, our allegiance is to honor God and love our neighbor, not dishonor God and slander neighbor. But let me say this, like, say it like this. Do we, as a church, do we individually, not only corporately, but individually, do we want change? And we have to ask that question daily. Do I want change? Like in the things that I'm pursuing right now, do I want change in them? Or am I okay with the status quo? Am I okay with the pursuit of this maybe one thing here, or do I actually want to be transformed? Do I want change? And who do I go to for that 
that change, that transformation? Like, do you have desires to be a better person to your family, your friends, the neighbors around you? Do you seek to lift others up and honor others more than yourself? Now, all of these things are great things to desire. But the tricky thing is, God, there is an enemy, as we see in the next point, but we're sticking in that first point. As we see in this, there is an enemy that is trying to deceive you. So even the good things that seemingly are good, the enemy can make evil and deceive us. And, and the only way we know that is we, if we seek the heart motivation of what is going on inside of us. What is the reason that I want change? What is the desire of my heart that I want this thing? And it's really important to do, to do the deep dive into the heart motivation, the desire of your heart for that specific thing. Are you doing these things because you view them as most moral? Are you doing these things because you merely see that it is a better way of life? Like over and over as a pastor for the last, I don't know, 25, 30 years, I've heard the question over and over again, or the statement, I guess, I'm coming to church because I want my kids to be taught morality. Because I see the morality around us is not moral at all. I see the things in the world and they're not moral. So I want to I come back to church. I, I was maybe at church when I was younger and I want to have my kids understand some morality. It's a good thing, but it's not the end goal. It's not that final thing. See, I want to challenge us here. We, we have an enemy who is incredibly deceptive and one who will take you down a trail of good, in quotations, but lead you far away from Jesus. And we see this in, in the rich young ruler, right? Like we see this in the rich young ruler where he's like, I've done all these things. Like, do I get to go to heaven now? He looked for being good. He looked to be moral. As a wrong motivation, Satan had him twisted and he left disappointed and sad when Jesus told him to sell everything and follow me. He couldn't do it. He looked at his motivation of his heart and he, was, he couldn't change it. He didn't want to change it. See, we know that we are from God when it is God and God alone that we serve and do the things I mentioned for his kingdom alone. That's when we know when we surrender the things that we used to actually look to for our gratification and surrender them for the sake of Jesus' kingdom, like all for him, heart, mind, soul, strength, that we fight not just for the next generation, and this is a great cause, but not the one you were created for. Like we are called to fight not just for the next generation, to fight for every baby in the womb is a good fight, but it isn't why we were created. See, we fight for the sole purpose of honoring the kingdom of God and his glory. Like life is one of those things, but the fight for the name of Jesus is the real battle. That is the real battle that we ought to be fighting for. That we be fruitful and multiply for the sake of God's glory. I had a conversation late last night with uh, a good friend of mine. And we were talking back and forth and, and kind of the things of this world, like what is the kind of what is pressing in on the church? What, what are the different things? Like where do we stand on, on these things? Like what do we press into? What do we, what do we go after? And what do we push against? Like what are those things? And, I, and the conversation kind of closed off and we in agreement with just going, the only thing that's going to solve the, the world's issues right now is evangelism. 
When you think about that, that is the only thing that is going to stop the world issues. It will change the individual. It will change the neighborhood. It will change the city. It will change the country. It will change the culture of how we do life. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, everything ought to shift. And the whole world ought to change back to because the world was created in, for God's kingdom. That's the true purpose. And so when we focus back on let's make his name known, those are the things that transform. Those are the things that move cities and nations and countries. And, and Nineveh was brought up with Jonah going into the middle of the city, repent, believe upon God. And even the king ripped his clothes and mourned and said, repent, everybody, and believe upon Jesus. Believe upon God for the creator of this earth. It changed the whole city. See, another battle for the glory of God's kingdom is that we stand for marriage between one man and one woman. No exception, because that is the way God ordained it from the beginning, and we are to steward it well for our good and his glory. So again, this is another one of those battles. We have the babies, we have the marriage, we have all these things that are going on in our society right now that we are called to stand for as kingdom seekers of God's kingdom and truth. But again, it's the motivation behind it. See, that we stand against falsehood, again, not for the sake of the next generation, but because we are servants of the God of truth. That's what we stand for. This is the only reason we need. We know that we are from God when we begin to see everything as an opportunity for his glory and for his purpose's sake. When we see, think about this, every opportunity for his kingdom's sake. And the only thing to change that kingdom of self is the evangelistic tendency to move the heart that they might surrender to Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it's on the screen, it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This is kingdom language. You're serving God's kingdom. This is why you were created, to serve a kingdom, to be a part of a kingdom, and the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here in the church. The kingdom is coming again. Jesus is going to come and reign over this world. So if you are here and searching for purpose in this world, let me say this as clearly as possible. You have been born, like I said, into a world that was created to serve one king and one king only. This purpose has been distorted for thousands of years, but soon all people will bow to the king of kings and lord of lords. There will be, it says in the Bible, there will be one day that all knees will bow before Jesus. Either you will bow in fear of who he is or you'll bow in surrender because you have surrendered your life over to him. But every knee will bow one day. This world is a kingdom, and it is the kingdom of God. And he has come to reign. First, he came to save. 
And if you believe upon Jesus for salvation, if you trust in Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you give your life over to him because he has taken all of your penalty of sin upon himself, that great exchange that took place at the cross, all of your sin nailed to the cross along with Jesus 2,000 years ago, all of Jesus' righteousness bestowed upon you, you are now freed from that penalty. It's no longer. When you confess Jesus as your Lord and your King, you're free eternally. It's such a beautiful story. When we do this for the right and true purpose of your life, he has set this up by way of the church. This is the church. This is the gathered people of the church, to the, those who have surrendered to Jesus. So let's be one that knows that you are from God. We are from God, that you are the one that surrenders to Jesus in all things. We know already in the book that we've been reading, this letter of 1 John, back in chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected, and by this we may know that we are in him. See, again, we know that we are in him over and over. John is just simplifying this. We know that we are from God in these different ways, and one of them is obedience. One of, one of them is to surrender to the king to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to be more like him. See, we know by way of our faith, filled confession of Jesus, finished work on the cross, we know by our obedience, we know because our sins are forgiven. Such a beautiful status that you are now cleansed of all your unrighteousness, as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says. When you confess your sin, all of your sin is cleansed, and you are perfect in the eyes of now of God the Father by way of Jesus' sacrifice for you. We know we are from God because of Jesus. Secondly, same verse in the end of 19, we see that the world lies in the power of the evil one. The word world here is referring to all those in rebellion to God. We see this going back to the Old Testament. The nations were in rebellion to God, giving and receiving in marriage without order. Like again, going back to marriage and babies and, and these things that I prefaced in this last point, same thing, we look back in the Old Testament, and you can read uh, verses uh, that talk about nations, the nation of Israel going in to take over the nation. Why? Because God said they're doing things that are contrary to what I've called them to. They're contrary to my kingdom. They've set up their own self-kingdom, and this is how they're running it. They're intermarrying, and they're, they're killing their babies. They're sacrificing their babies for the sake of their false gods and their false idols. How different are we today? How different are we? See, the nations were in rebellion to God, giving and receiving in marriage without order, sacrificing their children to foreign gods, whoring themselves by taking what is plain to see in the world and making up new things, deceiving themselves and others, having sexual relations with anyone and anything, all for the pleasure of their little self-kingdom. It's all about their comfort and their glory and their wants and needs and felt desires. And today... You could ask yourself, the world we live in isn't much different. Schools sexualizing our children that they might castrate themselves. According to World Health Organization, roughly 73 million babies are killed by abortion every single year. 73 million. Try and wrap your head around that. 73 million. 
61% of all unintended pregnancies and 29% of all pregnancies in general ending with an abortion. Basically 30% of all pregnancies ending in an abortion. And when we read the Old Testament and see countries sacrificing their babies to foreign gods, we say, that's crazy. But yet, this world is doing it. And maybe there's some here that have gone through this horrific experience. And I know it's horrific because I've talked to many people that have gone through this decision and they still carry it 30, 40 years later. See, again, the world we live in isn't much different. Championing the cause to care for those with mental illness, to help them see truth, to help them see their false thoughts of suicide, depression, and anxiety in one hand, while allowing those mentally ill to teach, train, and make decisions to our society in another. And we know the world is in the power of the evil one when it says good, this is good when it's actually evil, and the evil is actually good. And we see this in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32. It's on the screen. It says this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, we have a lot in our society that don't acknowledge the Lord. So God gave them up. That's the scariest verse. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And again, this is our society. This is the rule of the enemy. This is the enemy that is in the world, that is ruling the world today. He is here to deceive and manipulate you unto death, seemingly looking good, like it's good thing for you and your kingdom, and ultimately it's going to lead to death. He is here to deceive and manipulate he wants us to give one another up and hate one another for speaking truth. In Matthew 24, 9, it says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. This is what's coming, church. This is what's coming. Matthew 24 is a, is a chapter talking about uh, when Jesus is about to return. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, for Jesus' name's sake. When you say the name Jesus, it's offensive to the world today. This is the enemy's goal. This is the whole process of what is going on in society today. To hate, to kill, to destroy. Why? Because Jesus says, surrender to me and I will give you life. And that is offensive when you go, I don't want to surrender to anyone. I want whatever I get. And so anything outside of your kingdom is offensive. So this is the enemy's goal, to kill and destroy and all confessing believers in Jesus, to distort their minds and to confuse what is laid out for us clearly in Scripture. So the world lies in the power of Satan. So we know we are from God by our faith in Jesus' finished work. We know we have an enemy in this world. And thirdly, that Jesus has come with purpose. Look at verse 20. 
It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Jesus has come with purpose. And the purpose was to save. The purpose was to take those broken reeds and nurture them back. Those things that we have done, maybe like an abortion, and to bring salvation, to bring restoration, to bring healing. He has come to to give understanding, to proclaim truth, to remind us of our identity in him, to forgive our sin, to pay for our sin, that we might receive eternal life and in and through him. Jesus has come with a purpose to establish his kingdom. And it's all through the gospels. To heal the lame, to give sight to the blind, to give ears to the mute. This is... This is why he came, to give us sight, to give us ears to hear. Do you hear, do you see this purpose that you are fallen and fallen short of God's perfection so that he had to come to pay your sin penalty that you might have life? It's the greatest news in the world. He came that we might have life Just resonate on that this week. This is why Jesus came, to save us from our folly of seeking our own kingdom so that we might have him. It's the best story in the world. Or are we still blind? Are we deaf to the clear instruction of the Lord? The clear instruction is that if we do not surrender all of ourselves to Jesus, this is the clear instruction, you have to surrender all of it. It's not a little bit of it, it's all of it. But if you choose to hold on to any portion of your kingdom, we will be eternally lost. It says this in Matthew 16, 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus spoke many parables, and one I want to point you to is Matthew chapter 13. So if you can turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, it's such a sweet text of Scripture. But in the parables, Jesus often taught that I'm, like the disciples asked him, why are you constantly teaching in parables that they, those that don't hear won't, won't hear, that those that don't see won't see? It's in such an interesting line. But in this text, we see actually... Jesus explained the parable, and he doesn't do it often, but in this one he does. And you've, you've most likely, if you've been around church, you've heard this parable before, but this is the explanation. If you haven't heard it, just go back to verse 10 of chapter 13 and read through the parable, or sorry, verse 1 of chapter 13 and read through the parable, and then you can get the story in full. But I'm just going to read 18 through 23. This is Jesus' explanation of this sweet parable. Remember the parable of the soils? So the path, the hard ground, rocky ground, the thorns, and then the good soil. Okay, here we go. So hear then the parable of the sower, sowing seeds, scattering the seeds to produce a harvest. When anyone hears, notice like every single path, someone hears it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, it's the evil one 
coming and snatching it away what has been sown in his heart, this is what was sown along the path. You hear it, but you don't hear it. It's taken from you. And so what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now there's no time frame here. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. We don't know how long. He endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, very important line. If you're going to be persecuted and tribulation comes based on your understanding and your belief in Jesus Christ, and you begin to deny him, this is you on the rocky ground. Immediately he falls away. Verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears again the word, but the cares, this is, I really believe this is our culture today. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Like I was, I was praying through this week that we might take away the things of the throne of God because so often we put the things on top of the throne of God and we begin to serve it instead of actually God himself. These are the cares of the world. I want to work on my boat or I want to go golfing or I want to seek the Lord, but I will deny the things of the church which he's called me to gather in, especially in times of the end times in, in Hebrews chapter 10 and seek the things of Jesus and to make his name known, but I will work on this thing Instead, the cares of the world begin to choke you out. This is the thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. In verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it is transformed by it, and he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and another 30. There is a massive produce aisle going on in this, in this good soil. It's like roots are sprouting like crazy and good fruit is coming out of it. The purpose of Jesus is to save, to save us, that we might hear the goodness of Jesus. Every single soil hears it. And I urge you, hear the word of God. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he came to die for you, paying the penalty that you deserve so that you might have life and to deny that free gift for the sake of riches or cares or maybe being persecuted. What a loss that would be. See, the purpose of Jesus is to create a, a growth with the seed of his word, and he gives it freely. Again, in, in our text, in verse 20, it says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding We've heard it, we understand it, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. And if he is the true God in eternal life, I want to change. 
I want to move forward. I want to stop seeking the kingdom of self and start seeking the kingdom of God. I want to give my life over. I am willing to lose my life for the sake of his. Amen? This is the church. This is the gathered church. This is the ones that go, yes, you're right. Like, I, I want to get rid of this. No longer do I want to serve this. See, Jesus has come with purpose. Have you believed upon him for salvation? We know we are from God by our faith in Jesus' finished work. We know we have an enemy in this world who wants to kill and destroy. And we know Jesus has come with purpose to save. And then there's our task in verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. What an interesting way to end a letter. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why would John end this way? Probably multiple reasons. Remember how he started it? Chapter 1. It was all about Jesus. This is the one we touched. This is the one we saw. This is the one we heard. This is the one we now proclaim to you. He's the one, little children. He's the one to go after. Run from idols. He's bookending his letter. John wants you to hear it loud and clear. There is only one God. There is only one you should be chasing after. And his name is Jesus. He loves you. He wants nothing but the best for you. And the best for you is a surrender to him. Do you believe Jesus walked on this earth 2,000 years ago? Like this earth. Do you believe it with all of your heart? Do you believe that he died for your sin, paying the penalty of your sin for the sake of, of life for you? He took all the sin upon himself on the cross 2,000 years ago so that you might live. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus rose three days later and that in 40 days after that, he ascended to heaven, proclaiming the good news of, of Jesus to, to continue on this amazing message, to go out into all the world and make disciples of him. Do you believe that? Then you're saved. Then you're saved. You've confessed, you've believed upon Jesus. Now let's go. Let's be ones that are no longer going after idols, but going after the one that, has pro, that we now proclaim, giving our lives over to him. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this letter, that we get to read it and study it and, and find out what you were speaking through your servant John. And I pray that we too will be transformed. And John in his, 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 his older years were, were so compassionate, calling us little children, calling the church little children, the most intimate language he could have used. Just like we prayed earlier for the kids, Lord. 
with a broken heart and a, and a deep heart of love for these little kids that they would fall deeply in love with Jesus. I too pray for the church. I pray for this body, this, your children. Lord, whoever is your children here, Lord, that we will fall in love more, more deeply in you than we've ever experienced before. And those that we, we know that we have this self-kingdom that we're kind of holding on to still, Lord, I just pray that, that, that my brothers and sisters will be freed from that once and for all. That they'll hand it over to you, Jesus, knowing that you are the restorer of all things, that you, you reconcile us to the Father. And that we'll believe upon you for salvation. I pray, Jesus, that we will be fired up to share the good news of you with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our friends around us, that we will be urgent in mind and heart and spirit and strength, Lord, for your name's sake and your glory, your kingdom come. In Jesus we pray, amen.